Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. The alternative is being a son of Satan. And we know where that goes. You know, I spent more than 20 years on the air with a family-based ministry. And the one topic we dealt with, which received more mail and more questions as a result, was discipline. Pastor Leighton Sheely with Church of the Highlands in San Bruno is going to continue his series called Family Matters and deal specifically with discipline on today's edition of our broadcast. I'm Mike Trout. We're reaching out to you as a ministry of the church, Church of the Highlands, and you can find us on the web at highlands.us. We're supported by our listeners, and you can give. Become a part of our team when you go to that website again, highlands.us. Here's Pastor Layton. There's a story of a father who was found out that his uh, computer had gone to places it shouldn't go, and he brought his son in, and, um, who was around the age of junior high, high school. And, and he said, uh, son, is there anything you want to tell me? No, Dad, everything's fine. And uh, you sure, son, there's not something you want to tell me? And this went back and forth a few times, and finally the young man said, well, Dad, I, I've been seeing some things that I shouldn't see. And uh, Dad thought about it, and he said, Well, son, I could put blocks and things on the computer, but you'd figure out a way to get around it if you wanted to. I think it's important for you to understand that you're no longer a child, that you are a young man, and that you are responsible for managing your life and your decisions. And I want you to know I respect you as a young man. Boy, that spoke loud and clear to that young man. And he took that responsibility seriously. He's turned out to be a fine and godly man and husband. And then, are you consistent with your personal disciplines and your discipline of your children? Ephesians chapter 6 says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So discipline is an important part of effective parenting. In fact, God models it for us in Hebrews chapter 12. It says, And have you forgotten that the word of encouragement that addresses you as sons? My son, do not take light of the Lord's discipline. Do not make light of the Lord's discipline. and Do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Because the Lord disciplines those He loves. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as sons. For what son is not disciplined by his father? If you're not disciplined, and everyone undergoes discipline, then you are illegitimate children and not true sons. Not true sons of God. The alternative is being a son of Satan. And we know where that goes. Moreover, we've all had human fathers who disciplined us and respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the Father of our spirits and live? Our fathers disciplined us for a little while, while we were young, as they thought best. No father, human father is perfect. They did the best they could. But God disciplines for us for our good. He's the only perfect father that we may share in his holiness. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces a harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. Discipline is a burden, but it's also an investment as well. 
It's important that you discipline yourself and that you discipline your children because sin can be passed from one generation to the next. So how long did it take for mankind to get marriage and family wrong? Not very long. I want to invite you to turn your Bibles to Genesis chapter 4. Because the first family was a miserable failure. It was a dysfunctional family. There has never been a perfect family because all families are made up of people. All people are imperfect. Therefore, there cannot be a perfect family. Every family is dysfunctional, varying only in emphasis and degree. A few years back, I received a letter from a lady who suggested, since we've never had a perfect family, why don't we just give up on the idea and quit trying? Let's try other models. And uh, we don't give up because God doesn't give up on his model for family. We don't give up because Jesus has not given up on, his, on God's model for family. We don't give up because his disciples haven't given up on God's model for family. They wrote about how we should do family in the New Testament. That's why we've been studying for weeks, and there's so much more that we even don't have time for. But, but God hasn't given up on marriage, his plan for marriage, and neither will we. Now, there's a very close connection between Genesis chapter 3 and Genesis chapter 4, because in Genesis chapter 3, the sin was against God, and in Genesis chapter 4, it's a sin against a fellow man. And the order is the same here, that the one who has no fear of God in his eyes has no respect for the rights of his neighbor. There's a relationship between our, uh, our connection with God and our connection with others. Let's read verse 1. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. So even though they'd gone through a difficult time in the previous chapter, they're still together and they're apparently committed to raising a family. And this is the first pregnancy in the history of mankind. So it must have been a wonder for the two as they, as they looked on and watched that little child develop within and then be born. And, you know, <clears throat> every parent has always had great aspirations, great expectations of their child. But I don't think there was any expectations that were bigger than the ones that were cast upon this first child. The name Cain is related to a word forgotten, and so by naming him such, they were recognizing that he was gotten from God. And it's the, every baby is a reminder that God is not through with mankind. Now, the best translation of her words would be, I have brought forth a man, even the deliverer. And what that does is it tells us that she and her husband were thinking that this child that was going to be born was the seed that God had talked about in the previous chapter, that he was going to be the Savior and what she didn't know is she hadn't given birth to the Savior. She'd given birth to a killer. Verse 2, and again, she bore his brother Abel. Now, Abel was a keeper of sheep and Cain a worker of the ground. You know, it doesn't give us an explanation of why Abel was named Abel. But you know what the word Abel, Abel means? Vapor. A vapor is here and pff, it's gone. They had never, no mankind, mankind had never experienced death before. One night, the family's sitting around the table and... The next night, he's gone, like a vapor. Sometimes in the Bible, people are renamed. And it's quite possible that this name was given to him after this event. Verse 3, in the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn of the flock and their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings. But for Cain and his offerings, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry and his face fell. So evidently, God had given considerable instruction to Adam and Eve and the family concerning the place and form of, of worship and sacrifice. At the end of the days refers to a period of time like the end of the week. So it's quite possible this was a precursor to the Sabbath. And uh, Cain brought of the fruits of his soil and Abel an offering from the firstborn of the flock. 
God accepted and received Abel's offering, but he rejected Cain's offering. Now, the question is, is why? And there's scholars have had several different suggestions for it. Some have suggested it was because his sacrifice was not bloodless, but there are sacrifices in the Old Testament that are bloodless, and there was no calling that we know of at this time for a, a sacrifice. One of the proposed answers is that it says here that Abel bought of the firstlings. These are the firstborn. Now, when, when, when they bring the firstborn, that is really an act of faith towards God. Because when you bring that firstborn, you're depending on God to help the flock produce more, so you have more that you, that you need. People who do not trust in God aren't going to give God the first. They're going to keep it for themselves. And they're going to give God the leftovers. Exodus 23, 19 says, The best of the first fruits of your ground you shall bring to the house of the Lord your God. And here it says that Cain brought an offering, but it doesn't say that it was the first fruits. Abel's sacrifice was the best. But Cain brought a token gift of his produce to the Lord. You know, King David was called a man after God's own heart. And that was said long after his error with Bathsheba. And one of the things, as we read through the stories of David, we, we find that he knew how to worship. And one of the things that he did one time was he was supposed to give a sacrifice to the Lord. And so he went to the place it was supposed to be. And the owner says, King, I'll give you everything. I'll give you the, whatever you need. It's all free. And in 2 Samuel 24, King David said, No, I insist on paying you for it. I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. Just the extra. Abel brought of the fat portion. It's the choices. It's the best. Now, the epistle to the Hebrews lays the weight for God's satisfaction upon Abel's expressed faith. Verse 6, The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So although God rejected the offering of Cain, he did not reject Cain. In fact, he approached him wanting to get things right. He says, if you do what's right, you will certainly be accepted. But if you don't, sin is couching at the door. Now, the word couching describes an image of a, an animal that is lying in wait, hiding, so it can pounce upon its prey. Sin's purpose is to dominate you. That's what it says, control. But if you knew what it was going to do, you wouldn't go there. You wouldn't fall for the trap. So what it does is it hides its true intent. It makes itself attractive. And then you fall for the trap. Now, there's a few nuggets we can take from this passage. First off, God was watching Cain. He not only knew his face, but also he knew his heart. We know that from Scripture. Now, some people might think, well, you know, there's only a few people on earth. God could do that. But now there's billions of people on earth. And how could God possibly be watching each and every one of us all the time? It tells us here that God said, if you do what is right. The implication is that he's already been informed of what was right and what was wrong. And so he didn't uh, reject doing what was right for lack of knowledge, but rather for lack of humility and faith and obedience. Sin is always crouching at our door. It's always wanting to master us, but we must master it. And how can we do that? Well, first off, don't let it in. And then if it gets in, we're we're inadequate for that struggle altogether. See, if we're going to master sin, we must be mastered by him who mastered it. We must be the masters. And I'm speaking about Christ. 
When we receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord, then God plants within us His Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit comes to live within us to give us guidance and empower us to overcome the dominion of sin in our life. Pastor Leighton Sheely, our teacher each day here on Study Verse by Verse with a series called Family Matters, and we'll continue tomorrow. I hope you can join us. I'm Mike Trout. This is an outreach of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno. And if you'd like to know more about the church and the ministries, uh, perhaps you're looking for a church home. And, of course, the worship options right now, you'll find them on the website, highlands.us. That's highlands.us. And there's an opportunity there for you to respond to us. You can go to the contact link on the homepage and ask a question or uh, share your thoughts with us. That's highlands.us. Have a blessed rest of your day. Join us tomorrow if you can when we'll once again open the Word of God and study verse by verse.